Welcome to Theatrically Speaking, almost a playwriting podcast. My name is Jonah Knight. Theatrically Speaking is a part of the Actual Story Podcasting Network. You can learn more about this show and others over at actualstorypodcasting.com. If you have a playwriting question, if you'd like to suggest a topic for us to talk about, or if you have a play that you would like feedback on, please visit actualstorypodcasting.com, and that is where you can send us a message. Today I am joined by Stephen Elliott Jackson and Paige Stedman. We're going to talk about the reality of colorblind casting and to what extent playwrights should write characters around the wide range of ethnicities, ages, genders, you know, just around the wide range of people that may be cast in our plays. Bios and links are in the show notes. Uh, so my name is Stephen Elliott Jackson. I'm an award-winning playwright from Toronto, Ontario. Um, my play, uh, The Seat Next to the King, won Best New Play at the Toronto Fringe Festival in 2017. And my other play, uh, Three Ordinary Men, won Best New Play at the Hamilton Fringe in 2020. And The Seat Next to the King is published in 2018 through Scarocco Drama. Hi, my name is Paige Stedman. I'm a playwright, actor, and director in the Atlanta area. I'm currently the director of education at the Good Acting Studio. My plays have been produced by Offshoot Productions, the Academy Theatre, the Atlanta Radio Theatre Company, and more. I've been uh, published a couple of times, still working on getting more published. That means I have to actually submit things. I'm mostly here because I write plays and act and direct and a lot of my students are of different ethnicities from myself so i get to listen to a lot of their feedback as far as what they think about different ethnicities in casting and in writing our conversation today has to do with uh well i think the the place to start is with non-traditional casting and maybe what we're going to call it in this conversation is colorblind casting or maybe not uh, but this is the practice of casting an actor into a role without taking ethnicity or skin color, maybe gender, maybe age, into account with the casting. The idea here is that if a character as written does not feature ethnicity or any of those other factors as a core part of the character, in casting, you can get an actor that goes against those traditional requirements that people have thought of when casting that role in the past. What we're going to talk about is not just the casting in this way, but writing in this way. And I think maybe the first question is, as we have already started talking about, is colorblind casting or non-traditional casting, if we convert this over to writing, is this even the right way to think about it? Is it even the right way to think about not taking ethnicity, gender, et cetera, into account when you're writing a character? Is Do we even call that non-traditional something? Is there even a name for this right now? Well, it's interesting with this topic because, uh, like Paige, I, I write a lot of characters that are not me. And so being a white male, I don't write my character very often now, I find. Uh, and it's not because it, I don't want to. It's because I'm trying to dissenter the white gay, the white male out of the story. Not take them out of the story, but just decenter them so that we see different aspects going on. And so the idea of nonspecific writing characters, uh, it really depends on your story. It really depends on uh, who your audience is. It really depends on a lot of factors. 
I find that because I, I also write history. And so that part of their identity is so important when I'm writing those characters. Uh, if I take that away from the story, like if I, you know, if I were to write a story about Martin Luther King and take out that he was black would be, it'd be a really hard story, right? You can't, you can't even f- imagine that. And we shouldn't because that's a part of who that character is in history and how we're going to see him. Um, that being said, I know that sometimes when I've written plays where the characters are historical figures per se, but aren't really well known or really uh, they're, they're the, the characters in history that are a little less non known, a little less talked about. Sometimes I will suggest doing untraditional casting in that, in that sense to allow a more broader interpretation to allow more people into that story. Um, I mean, that's just me as a playwright when I do that, but I also, I write a lot of history. And so nonspecific is very tricky <laughs> and it's very hard to do that because it's very much a central to that story and how that story will be interpreted. Paige, as a, as a teacher, how do you talk about this with your students? A lot of the time I start out by asking what them what they think. Um, and then I get my opinion. Most of the time, I don't write historical plays. And with for that, I completely agree that if race, especially if race is a central part in, in the story there, then, yeah, that definitely has to be acknowledged. And sometimes you don't have the actors who are those ethnicities, especially if we're doing a story about, okay, this happened in China. Well, we obviously don't have every student in the class who you know, happens to be of Chinese background. That just doesn't happen where I am, where I'm teaching. But we definitely acknowledge it. And we make it a statement that, yes, we are not doing this historically correct. But if I were in a bigger theater where I could cast according to history, you know, if it were, say, as you mentioned, the story of Martin Luther King, that's a very important distinction. Or if it were something like Othello, it's very important that those characters have the racial identity or part of their history, if you have that option. The kids have mostly told me that they like And to specify, a lot of what I write is fantasy or science fiction, or if it's modern or set in the future, a lot of it's not racially centered. Uh, Those are big stories, and that takes a lot of of writing guts that I'm not sure I have yet, although I've done a couple. It's, It's a lot harder, so my respects to you, Stephen. The kids like the open characters, the open casting, for the most part. Occasionally, they'll say, well, why isn't there a Black character in here? And I say, because any of those characters can be Black. You audition for any of the characters. You can do whichever character you want. And bringing gender into it, especially since I teach children, a lot of the times, especially when there are animal characters, it's easier for me to emphasize to them okay, the frog is a boy. That doesn't mean it has to be played by a boy. And it frees them up. I've had more than one trans student and more than one non-binary student 
who came up to me afterward and thanked me for letting them. Some of them were out, some of them were not. Uh, and they thanked me for letting them play whatever character they wanted to, regardless of gender. I try not to restrict them, um, especially things like Shakespeare. There's so much cross-gender casting. I, I don't even feel like I can call it that anymore. There are so many genders. It's any gender casting, for the most part, in a lot of theaters. So then would you both say that there's value in not being specific when you're writing? Do you do you sort of think, well, this character, maybe the age doesn't matter. Maybe the gender doesn't matter. Maybe as a writer, I should make the choice of just not defining it. Is, is that part of the thought process? For me, it depends on the story. There are some stories where ethnicity does matter, where that's part of the story. There are some there are some stories where gender does matter because that's part of the story and age too. Like I know that there were some senior citizens who I've, I've written shows for seniors and I worked with a company that took touring shows to seniors, senior centers. And some of the citizens came up to me afterwards and they were thrilled to see that there were older actors on the stage representing them doing things. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying because it really does depend on the story and depends on the lived experience of a person in that story. Um, I think we can all agree in this point in this time and age, if you're writing a story which involves the police of any kind in a story and you have a character who might be black or Hispanic or like that, that's a very different reaction to that police situation than someone who's white. The fact, yes. yeah, and you have to be very cautious with that. Um, where it's great to be nonspecific, I, I find is, um, is like I mentioned a play I wrote called The, the Woman He Painted, which again is a, a series of characters who many people wouldn't even know to, to know what they look like in history. And so then I often do a lot of nonspecific of casting who should play what part. Um, but I also know, or in sometimes if it's a story that's a fictional story, I do write some fiction. That's not history. I find those stories are much easier to do that in. Uh, and I often, if you read my 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 notes in the play, I'll often not tell you what that person should be or almost anything description-wise. Because I love when a director gets a hold of it and casts someone that you wouldn't even thought of putting in that part. I think that's really fun. That's fun for me. I think that's incredibly fun. Um, that being said... Um, you also have to be very conscious. It's a really, it's interesting to dynamic because you don't know where your play is going to go. Um, it could stay in a small, if it's in a small community that doesn't have a huge acting pool, you're not going to get a much choice in that specific specificity, right? Like you mentioned your school, you, you may not get that option. Like depends on what students you have that year. Uh, and you have to go, okay, well, I don't have any Asian students. So I'm probably not going to do an all play with all Asian characters. Like that's not, not going to work. Uh, and we, we actually saw some university examples of that recently in the news where a university did that and they didn't have the actors to do the piece. And it's like, then you may have to choose a different piece. Um, but for me, I, I like to keep, not just it's fun because it allows you, allows people to play parts that you wouldn't normally see in those parts. And that's so much fun. It's great for the actors too. It's a great, it's a great, great way of building that trust in writers and directors and theaters that have been predominantly white in the 
throughout history. I always kind of say it's sometimes a little hard to get plays done by saying, you know, white males have had it pretty good for the last 400 years. So, you know, that's the way I kind of look at it. Uh, but it's fun to see people take ownership of those parts to find those parts uh, and, and just find the character versus the baggage of the person's background in the, in the character. I think it's really quite fun. Can, uh, can either of you think of a time in your writing where you had sort of like an extended dialogue with yourself about being specific over a certain character where, you know, this character doesn't necessarily need to have this gender or that. And how do I approach that? Yes. Um, as a matter of fact, I write radio plays for the Atlanta Radio Theater Company. And there sometimes the story is such that a character could be any gender and the story would still go on. They would still fill that role in the story in the plot. What they consider smaller parts, but I still consider essential parts. Um, a lot of those I put as any gender. And at first I got some pushback from that, but now they're accepting it more. Then there are some more significant parts that I still say it can be any gender. And that surprised some people. And sometimes I'll even throw in a non-binary character um, that that got some pushback, but it, it was accepted. Um, there's one of my plays, one of the villains, one of the minor villains could have been a guy, could have been a woman, and it would, it could, it would change the dynamic of the scene if it were read because uh, the person that they were victimizing was a, a young woman and it would change the dynamic there. And so I asked them, and they're great about reading new scripts. And I asked them, okay, I want to hear it a couple of different ways. And they put different actors in there and that helps me figure it out. So if you can get a group that'll do a reading for you, that really can help you hear the dynamic sometimes. Um, and still, at the end, I said, you know, I like both of those. It's the director's choice. It can go any way. For, for me, I've had kind of two examples. One was a good example, and one was a very bad example <laughs> of when it, when it can go wrong. Uh, so I, I, over the holidays, I wrote an audio play, and it was, it was a wonderful situation because it was all about more or less what we would deem a Karen character in a, in, a, in a department store. And I actually asked a friend of mine who uh, is Indian, Indian in background to play that part. And I actually had, had that discussion with the actor saying, I would love for you to read this part. I think you have a lot of fun with it. But I said, I want to make sure that you're comfortable with it because generally that's a white character playing that part. And she said, oh my God, please let me do it. <laughs> I want to play this part so badly. And then I cast in white to play the, op, the, the, the customer service person, which I thought was, it just was nice to do. So that was worked. But we actually had the discussion to talk about it and say, how do we feel about this? Are we okay? Just because I, you know, we know who this character is and we've seen our <laughs> YouTube videos every day, it seems like. Um, but then I had a very negative experience where um, there was a company I, I was working for and I was directing a production of Harvey. And there's one actor in the company at the time who got the maid part. And so she was a larger girl herself. Uh, she always got the maid in a show. Like, I'm serious. Like, it was like three shows in a row she got the maid part. And it's and even she would admit to me, like, she'd say, I'm not the greatest actor. 
And I said, that, that's fine. And so I knew she's going to be in Harvey and I knew what part she was going to get. There's like one line for a maid in the very first scene and then you're gone for us of the show. And so what I did was I cast her in that maid part because, well, I still need some of the maid part, but I double cast and put them as the, ta- the cab driver in the last scene. And of course, a cab driver would normally be a male part, right? And I said, and she said, but isn't that male? I'm going, yeah, but you're going to play it. And yeah, you probably would probably be probably more likely a male. So we'll, we'll stubble you up and you'll, you can have some fun acting that part out. And she had a great time doing it. That was the positive side. <laughs> the negative side was another actor in the company who was very upset that I had cast a female in this male part, traditionally male part. I might add the main person in the play who actually had no scenes with that person whatsoever in my dad. But I, I, and we dealt with that in our own way, but I wasn't going against that because I saw the danger of when you stereotype someone into parts, when you don't give person even an option or a chance to play that type of part. And all I remember to this day is that same actor will always come back to me and say, I will do whatever you want in a play. Thank you for at least giving me the opportunity to play that part. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's always a toss-up, right? And I've learned who I don't want to work with, and I've learned who I do want to work with, and I like trying new things. I love casting actors in parts that are they would never be ever put in because I love playing against the grain. I love playing that. Like, you know, you know, the, the really nice guy who always plays the, the not quite boyfriend, but always best friend to the girl in the show, like casting as a psychotic character. Like, that's awesome. I think that's the way you do, like you just play with that. And I think that's how I also do with my writing too, is I really try and play with characters when I'm writing to, you can be specific when you write them, but it's also fun to kind of be a little more general sometimes so that a lot of people can play that part and have an understanding of that character as well, too. If I can say something as an actor, for most of my life, I am gender fluid. And for most of my life, I've been, you know, she, her, because I was not out about it. And I'd been told as a child, it didn't exist. I was making things up, not by my parents, but teachers, (laughs) you know. So I've started auditioning for parts I want, regardless of gender. And especially in radio theater, I thought, hey, why not? You know, if I can do a voice. Especially, you know, little kids, you know, voice doesn't matter as long as you can do it. So I auditioned um, this past year for a guy's part. And it's it's not a huge part, but it was a juicy role. And I thought, you know, I could do this justice. And I went for it. Auditioned. I got the part and I was really excited. And then everybody started changing the pronouns to she. And I was like, well, hey, um, I can I can play this as a guy. You know, if you want me to go deeper, I can go deeper. Just tell me what you want. And they were like, Yeah, I mean, you could do it as a guy, but we're gonna just change the pronouns anyway. And it was such a hit. They know I'm gender fluid. I told them I thought they accepted it, but it doesn't feel like I'm really accepted. I guess it, I would have liked to have been told beforehand, sure, we'll, we'll give it to you, but we're changing your pronouns, and we're still going to keep you as the woman we thought you were when we first met you 10 years ago, or I, I don't know, just throwing my bits in as an actor here and saying, mm-hmm. I really like opening things up. Sorry, yeah, I, 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 you know, I, it's interesting. I think 
I'm one of those types of people who likes to have the, the big conversations with the care, the actors. And um, I'm very much uh, in favor of the, I, I, I'll tell actors when we start doing a show, I'll say, okay, if you have a question about something, always bring it up. Doesn't mean it'll change. If I feel like it's not going to make the change is, is going to work, um, then we probably can't do it, but please bring it up. Please bring it up. At least bring it out into discussion because you may have one of the best ideas ever and I haven't thought about it. And, and that's happened a few times in shows where I've, you try and listen to the actors a little bit in that situation. It's, it's just too bad. They couldn't quite even just figure out how that was going to work without just doing the binary of what this is going to be type of thing. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, it's either this or it's this. And it's like, well, how let's start rehearsing first and figure and see what it looks like. Yeah. Do some read throughs. Like, like that's that's what read throughs are great for to figure these things out sometimes and uh that's, that's very disappointing to hear something like that but i also know that the world changes in its own pace and you can't it's only gonna go as fast as we as we can hope type thing and i think this past year was a good example and the kind of um how we're seeing it not change as fast as we think it was going to change from a year ago so true Hopefully it changes a little faster <laughs> and we can kind of bring those characters out on stage. They need, they need to be heard and we need to find them in our history. And for me, that's me. It's history, right? I try and find those characters in the history. The one day when I found this incredible lesbian actress from the 19, from the 1840s, I was like, this is awesome. This is the character. I, I want to see this character on stage because we know they were there, but yeah. yeah. And it's a real person. And it's like, they just got cut out of history, but they, they couldn't quite the images. The images popped up somewhere and someone said, wait, wait, wait a second. Who is this? And that's when the story starts. Right. That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> As we move to, to finish our conversation today, uh, it feels like this is one of those topics that you can't quite get away from it without talking about the marketability of this sort of thing. And I guess I wonder about there being a balance between writing a play that is easy to produce versus writing a play that's harder to produce, but maybe more authentic to your vision. Um, and I, I guess I wonder if that comes to your mind at all when you're writing, like, uh, you know, if I did make fewer demands on the ethnicity of this cast or the age of this cast, would I have more success with this piece of writing? And I, I just, I guess I wonder how you think about that and how you balance those two things. It definitely comes to mind for me. And knowing the pool of actors that the theaters I work with tend to have access to I, is one of the reasons that I keep things open and flexible as much as I can. There are some stories where I still feel like, okay, no, I have to have a difference in ethnicity here. And sometimes I don't specify that it has to be, you know, this one actor has to be this and this other actor has to be this. Sometimes I just say they have to be different. Sometimes there's still a reason to put specifics. But if I can get away without doing it, for the most part, I do. For, for me, um, I, I, I know I should think about markability, but sometimes I, really, I, just, I think I've just got to the point in my life where I've said, I'm just going to write the stories that I want to write and then find out where they fit, find out where they go. Um, because 
I'm a, I'm a Canadian writing American history. First of all, that's already, already a weirdness as it is. I mean, most of my plays are American history. I've always loved American history. I'm starting to write a little more Canadian, but when it comes to specificity, specificity, sorry, I can't say the word, right. Uh, I actually had an incident recently where I hit the boundary on both ends of that, that argument. So I had presented this um, scene to uh, a reading night and it's a scene between uh, a white woman in the 1899 and Aboriginal or Indigenous woman in 1899, uh, and they're famous people, very famous Canadians in our in our world. Uh, so I, when I sent the scene to them, I said, "Very, I want this specific. I need someone who's white. I need someone who's Indigenous to read these parts. I really need this." Um, and they said, oh, we don't know. We've got anyone who's indigenous in our group and blah, blah. I said, so I said, well, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to send a second scene from another show. If you, if you don't think you can get this one, then this is a little bit more non-specific. I want, you know, so I had a feeling I wasn't going to get what I wanted. So I decided to do my own recruiting and I, uh, I sent a little request and I said, Hey, I've got this scene I'm reading for this night. I'm looking for an indigenous actress to read this part. And <laughs> I ran into the too specific part of the whole story where uh, the actress wrote to me and said, asked me about all the consultation I had gone through to write the story. And then said that because they were this indigenous uh, uh, nation that they really shouldn't be reading for this indigenous nation. And I was like, how specific are we? am I going to have to do? Am I going to have to find exactly this combination of person to play this part? And it's very limiting, not only for the, for actors, it's very limiting. If, that, if that's how specific we're going to get, like I've got a friend who's part Venezuelan, part South Asian. Well, I, I don't know any plays that have that combination of people. Um, it's, it's trickier, right? So it can go both ways. And I think we just need to be open-minded about it, but we also have to have the discussion about what it means to have that specific person play that part. What's the importance behind that? By the same token, we can't go so far into it that it's no longer acting. It's literally just playing yourself on stage. And that's the only part that you can play. Uh, I think that's kind of balance in my world. And so, and I just ran it, I ran that story at the same time with on both ends. Uh, it did work out. Uh, it was a wonderful reading. That was the good thing. Uh, the play is, is pretty well liked right now. I'm going to try and extend it a little bit. It's a little too short, but uh, it was a, it was an interesting story for me to think about when I'm writing these plays and what I'm going to need to make it work and just kind of trying to find that balance. Funny thing. Um, I'm Jewish. My mother's side of the family and auditioning for plays that require Jewish characters, I've been told, oh, but we need somebody Jewish. Um, I, I am Jewish. Shalom. Uh, but, but you don't look Jewish. Oh, well, you know, this is what I look like and I'm Jewish. So it's, it's an interesting balance of what do you need what's real or do you need what's perceived as real? And there's, that's a whole different discussion. I do think that Zoom and technology has made things much easier when it comes to play readings mm -hmm. and doing things online. Um, the technology has made things so much easier to get an ethnicity of actor representing the character. Um, I wrote Festival of Lights for Artsy's uh, Winter Holiday Festival, and that's Diwali and it's Hanukkah. 
I, I was not able to get very many Jewish actors, but I was able to get uh, an actor of Indian descent. And that's India, the continent, not American, Indian, Native American. But sometimes there's still confusion from certain, some people about that. And the play is about misunderstanding and misconceptions of ethnicity and then clarification about what people still have in common. So it was really important to me to at least get one of my Indian actor friends to represent that, no, really, this is, you know, and not just have all white people playing. Yeah, I, I will say, yeah, I, I am very much over very, very much over seeing all white casts in shows it is not interesting to me. Uh, I saw a musical back like two years ago where I'm like, did you even try? Like, did you even try? There had to have been 20 characters on stage and one actor of color of, out of 20. And I'm like, you're in Toronto. This is like one of the most multicultural cities in the world and you couldn't find someone. Um, that being said, I mean, I'm also... I'm not as interested in an all-black show. I'm not as interested in all-Asian or an all-female show because I want to see the world on the stage. I want to see what happens. And when I write, I write about connection. And I really try and find characters who are really opposing in a lot of ways, but somehow there's something that ties them. I, I always love those stories. You know how people, like the whole opposite attracts thing is really interesting to me because I don't necessarily believe that completely. I think there's always something that has to tie them together in order to be in, in the same room together. And that's the kind of stories I like to write in history. And where do we find that connection? Right. It's interesting. I don't, I don't want to get too off topic here. Um, I'm not sure with all the differences that we have, and I love seeing diversity on stage. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I actually believe in complete opposites anymore. I haven't been able to find any. I have found this uh, to be a, a really interesting conversation and it's something, it's a topic that people are going to continue to grapple with and find their own ways in and their own, uh, their own way to work with, I think. So where can folks find you online if they're interested in knowing more about you or more about your work? Uh, Paige, where would you send people? Well, I do have a website, although it needs to be updated. PageSedman.com, that's P-A-I-G-E. S-T-E-A-D-M-A-N.com, or they can look for me at thegoodactingstudio.com. Uh, I just redid read my entire website because I hated WordPress so so very much. Um, and so I ended up, uh, so my website is www.stephenelliotjackson.ca, and that's S-T-E-V-E-N-E-L-L-I-O-T-T and Jackson, J-A-C-K-S-O-N. Uh, and that's where you can find anything about what's going on project-wise, anything, any of these types of podcasts I, I sometimes have been doing lately. I put them on there. Uh, I also put on some ramblings about my own playwriting experience and my own growing up and such on there too as well. Thank you again, both of you. This was, uh, this was a good time and I really appreciate you coming on. I had a pleasure. Thank you. Our theme song is Candy, licensed from the band Ketsa. K-E-T-S-A music.com. Additional information can be found in our show notes and over at actualstorypodcasting.com. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>